Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today our guest is Sacramento County District Attorney Anne-Marie Schubert. She's running to be the Attorney General of California, a race that I've said before will be not only one to watch in California next year, but one to watch nationally. Now, Schubert's running as an independent, but she was a lifelong Republican, and she is running on a tough-on-crime platform that has endeared her to many of her fellow prosecutors and California's law enforcement community. And it's in stark contrast to the current Attorney General, Rob Bonta, who is a more progressive Democrat. If she won, she would also be making history. She would be California's first openly gay Attorney General. And there's a little twist on that that we talk about here. Her brother, Frank Schubert, was the political consultant and driving force behind Proposition 8, which banned same-sex marriage in California. And now, here's my conversation with Anne-Marie Schubert. Anne-Marie Schubert, from your home in Sacramento County to my home in Oakland, California, welcome to It's All Political. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good, good. So you've been a prosecutor for about 30 years, correct? You've nailed 31, to be exact. 31. You've nailed some big cases. You've you've, uh, put the golden... State killer behind bars. You've been a, a leader in uncovering fraud at the uh, billions in fraud at the uh, Employment Development Department. You've been a national leader in using DNA uh, to 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 figure out cases. Uh, wh- why do you want to be Attorney General? That that's like a that's a desk job. That's a political job. Do you really? Why do you want to do this? Well, I don't want it to be a political job. I think it's obviously become politicized in the last several years. But you know, I I've never done anything else. I love what I do. I believe a hundred percent in. Uh, public safety in this great state, but I also believe very strongly that that we're in a state of chaos in, in the criminal justice system, and I'm not doing it, honestly, I'm not doing it for any other reason, just that I love this job. I started my career as a prosecutor, and that's what I intend to do is end it in the same fashion, but as the Attorney General of California. Uh, before we get into some of these issues, and I want to talk to you about the, the chaos stuff. Let's talk a, little, right. we'll talk a little politics here, get that out of the way. Uh, the, the, you, <laughs> soon after you were elected in, in 2018, as a Republican, you you switched to being a, a no-party preference uh, right. a candidate. Why'd you do that? And that's what you're running as now, of course. I'm running as an independent, no-party preference. I did it because um, you can see that we've politicized these nonpartisan positions. And when I ran in 2018, I, listen, I uh, it's not a secret. I was registered as a Republican my whole life. I never really, I, I, I wasn't a political person. Yes, I always voted in those things. But when I ran the last time, uh, it became highly politicized, and I felt very strongly that the job of the uh, the district attorney and the attorney general should be a nonpartisan issue. Public safety is not an R or D issue, so that's why I made the decision to leave. Did you have any, was it any problems with the Republican Party? No, no, it just no problems. It was it just, just it was just my own personal opinion that I, you know, the job is nonpartisan. When I look at or somebody in my office looks at a police report, we don't look to see if somebody's an R or D or whatever whatever their demographics are. We make a decision based upon just public safety and politics should not play a role. And it, and it became a part of the campaign. And um, I just felt strongly that um, I'm, I'm going to be true to the fact that this is a nonpartisan job. And the, the challenge, of course, of this is running as a, without an R or a D next to your name is right. very, very difficult in California. The party system is very strong here. Uh, Steve Poisoner tried it a couple of years ago, and here that's someone who won statewide, and he, and he, and he didn't win. What, what makes you think you can win as an independent without the, without the R next to your name? Well, I think it's, I mean, just look at um, 
since I've announced uh, running for AG, I've had uh, folks from both sides of the aisle, all sides, independents, Democrats, Republicans, teachers, lawyers, teach, whatever it is, different professions, different folks are, are supporting me. And that's because they know that I have not just the credibility uh, behind this campaign, but I, ha- I am relentless and I will do what it takes to win this race. I, that's just how I am as a person. And I've made a commitment. I'm going to go to every county in the state. I will do that. So I think California's ready. Uh, and, and there's a reason why people are kind of fed up with politics. And I think California's ready to, to elect somebody that's not going to allow the, this partisanship to enter a position that should, should be nonpartisan. Right. As I said, it's not an RB issue. Of course, one question that will come up is uh, if you voted for President Trump uh, in 2016 or 2020, did you vote for him either time? No, I did not. I actually wrote in um, Condoleezza Rice both times. <laughs> and you know her personally. Oh, no. I just, no, you don't. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know her personally. I you just don't. think okay. that she, I just uh, respected her. So. Uh, all right. Uh, no, there is a Republican in the race, uh, Nathan Hockman, former Republican, former federal prosecutor, who's also running. He has, he says, I had him on the podcast a couple weeks back, and he said, he said he had more experience than you running in, you know, federal government and such. Why? How are you different than Hockman? Well, I think that's interesting to say he has more experience. I've, I've grown up in the trenches. I, I'm not sure. I think he had a, a short stint as a federal prosecutor. I've never done anything else. I know California, uh, the California law. I could probably quiz him on what is penal code section XYZ, and, and he may not know that. But for me, as I've said, you know, I've grown up in the state system. I understand California law. I have been in the courtroom in California. I've prosecuted virtually every kind of case. I've not only advocated for legislative changes and fixes, I've also, um, you know, I'm a huge, huge believer in, in prevention as well. So I've done everything to try to prevent crime. And anybody that wants to know what has she done, go look at our website. You, you, I have people constantly, just somebody last week told me from another state, I, I just looked at your guys' website. I'm astounded at how much you're doing both in the courtroom and in the community. And so, you know, with due respect to Mr. Hockman, um, you know, there's there's no question I'm the most qualified person in this race. Let's all right. Let's talk about California. Sure. You alluded to earlier that the that the system here is in chaos. Uh, now, voters uh, here, uh, you know, several years ago they supported Prop 47, which was intended to reduce or eliminate uh, prison sentences for nonviolent crimes like you know petty theft. And last year, the voters uh, rejected Prop 20, which would have uh, toughened sentencing in criminal cases and reduced, and it is intended to reduce the number of prison inmates uh, ready for, uh, eligible for early parole. Why do you think voters are ready for, you know, the, the chaos message? What makes you think that? It seems because, like they're going I mean, the other I, way. Uh, I think, first of all, just look around us. Look what's happening on the streets of San Francisco or Los Angeles County or, or, or any other place in California. You know, we have rampant theft. It's just a true statement. I mean, look, what's, we're seeing these viral videos. That's just one of thousands of things that are happening every day. I, I know if I walk into a grocery store today at the end of the day after work and trying to pick up some things, if I really look, I'm going to see people rip them off. It's just it's going to happen. And and Prop 47, you know, I, I believe the intent behind it was altruistic. Listen, people that have drug problems, uh, they tend to steal. So we need to get them help. 100% believe in that. But it was built as a Safe Streets and Neighborhood Act or whatever, something like that. It's it, Really, is that what we are? I mean, I look at Sacramento County, and, and the last time I checked, how much money did we get from the alleged so-called savings? We got zero. 
And so we have massive people that have mental health and drug addiction that, are, that we have zero ability to, not zero, but we're, we're doing very little to truly help that. So that's one thing. Prop 20, you know, I helped with that initiative, and it wasn't designed to put people in prison. There was nothing about it to put people in prison. It was designed to hold serial thieves accountable so that we can get them into drug court. And, and you know, that's why the retailers and the grocers and all of those supported that, because they're fed up. They're, 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 we're destroying our economies, and, and we're not helping people that actually have those drug problems. So you can look around, and, and you know, when someone like the AG writes the ballot title in summary, and in my opinion, misleads the public when we say that it's a Safe Schools and Neighborhood Act. It, you know, that, that is um, something that people should be concerned about, is that are we really getting a fair and independent assessment of what a particular ballot title is? Now, the, the, the crime stats are, are kind of, it's a mixed bag, because uh, some theft and petty theft is down, or, or at least at 2019 levels. If we, it's, it's all, always weird to, to include the 2020. Can I just correct one thing on that, yes, Joe, yeah, though? Because sure. it's not uncommon. People say, oh... Theft is down. Yeah. Just because crime is not reported doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So you're saying people, people aren't, need, people stop reporting 100%. Ask, ask any of the retailers whether or not we're really reporting all the theft. Ask people that are in San Francisco whose cars are breaking in after five minutes of being left alone. Is everybody reporting? Of course not. It's too onerous. They know nothing's happening. They're fed up. Law enforcement's frustrated because it, it, law enforcement across the state are frustrated because we don't have the tools. Again, to get people that actually are doing these crimes because of drug problems to get them into drug treatment. We've decimated our drug courts. What, what tools would you like to see uh, police officers have, law enforcement have? Well, I think, for instance, you know, when somebody is a serial thief, meaning they're going in over and over and over again, you know, we cannot, under Prop 47, if I walked into five stores today and decided, oh, I think I'm going to rip them off, you know, five different stores for $900, I go to one store, second, third, fourth, fifth, and I steal $900, it's a straight-up misdemeanor. So you get a ticket for that crime. So even though it's $4,500, we, we are not allowed under the law to what we call aggregate that theft. And so what we really need is that serial theft law, not the organized retail crime law that, you know, was passed and the governor wanted to tout yesterday is that I, I think he thinks it's the, the solution. It's not the solution. It's virtually impossible to prosecute, um, and the data would show that. But when you have a theft law, California's theft law as it exists today, that does not give us the tools to get people into drug court, we are failing in our efforts to address those problems. Some of your uh, opponents uh, would say that, you know, if uh, Anne-Marie's elected, this is going to be a return to the days of three strikes and you're out and such. Where, where are you at on three strikes? I think we're fine with where we're at right now. I mean, I, you know, I, I, in, in my county, I'd have to look at the data, but it's, it's almost, it's virtually less than a certain percentage that we even seek three strikes. And, and now the law has been reformed to be that it's, you know, you got to have violent and all that. Mm -hmm. But, and I'm fine with it as it is now. Um, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that we have continuously weakened accountability on all different kinds of things. I'm not looking to go back to the era of, of some people say, we don't need to go back to 1994. What I'm looking for is meaningful accountability. And what we've seen in our legislature you know, we all want to scream about, you know, the homicide rate is wildly out of control. It is. Gun, people are buying guns. People are. But I can guarantee you that the homicides are being committed by people getting illegal guns off the streets of our communities. And when we weaken accountability when you use those guns, or we're allowing people to get out of jail early, even though they're repeat offenders for violent crimes, including guns, that is not 
a system that is designed to protect us safe. That is a system that is, you know, allowing people that are violent criminals uh, to continue with their with their dangerous behaviors. One, one thing that will very very likely come up in the race is your handling of police officer involved shootings. You very uh, you you had a very long explanation of your decision not to press charges against the officers who shot shot Stephon Clark in Sacramento a couple right. years back. Right. And, and since you became DA about about six years ago. Your office has reviewed about, about 40 cases of, of police uh, killing civilians, but have never filed charges against those officers. What do you, what do you say to critics who, will, who wonder about how tough you'll be on investigating law enforcement officers who kill civilians? Well, let me first say is that uh, I follow the facts and the law. The law is the law. Um, I would remind the, the, the citizens of the state that the attorney general also found the same decision in the Stephon Clark. Yes. Um, uh, that was but, uh, Javier yeah. Becerra, a Democrat. Yes. Yes. So, yes. So I would also say that I, I prosecuted the Golden State Killer who happened to be a cop. I We have cases pending in my jurisdiction right now against police officers for excessive force. Um, so it, it, it is all determined by the facts and the law, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's I'm not going to politicize it. I'm not going to uh, decide something because, you know, somebody yells at me too much. I'm going to make a decision because... That's what the law and the facts. And if you look across this country, there is there is frustration. Obviously, you know, if you go to another jurisdiction, they might have the same decisions that I the same outcomes that I have. And that's because we have the law that we have to follow. What, uh, many uh, uh, people in politics and law enforcement talk about how uh, George Floyd's murder affected them. How did it affect you? Oh, I think it was despicable what happened. Like, honestly, it's, it's, it's something that's difficult to watch. Um, it, it, uh, he, in my opinion, he rightfully was convicted. The, the officer did, con- did, Yes. Did I think shopping, he was rightfully yes. convicted, even under California law. And I think that, you know, obviously it, it has sparked, you know, uh, just this rage. Uh, and I understand it. Well, more of my conversation with Anne-Marie Schubert after this short break. What do you do with officers? There's, a, there's sort of legislation in, in legislature right now about what do you do with officers who have been, uh, you know, who have killed civilians in one while working for one uh, jurisdiction and then they go somewhere else? And, uh, and, and what do you do to discipline those officers who have been found uh, guilty, preventing them from, you know, hopping from one jurisdiction to another? Is there something to be done there? I, well, I'm trying to understand it. I mean, if they've been found guilty of a crime or if yes, found yes, yeah. right. If they, or if they've been disciplined in some ways. Well, and nobody wants bad cops. Let's be honest about that. I yes. don't. I think. I think even law enforcement they support this bill to have decertification. I yes. mean, it's no different than than a medical profession. If we had a bad doctor or we have a CPS worker that's not doing their job, so I think that that's something that we should all be willing to embrace. Is if you have a police officer that shouldn't have a license then they shouldn't have a license and they shouldn't just go from one place to another. And that's, that's concerning. So, uh, I would support that part of that, that piece of legislation. Um, you also support the death penalty, correct? I support it. it I mean, I think it's a rare, uh, I support it. Let me say this. I support it because the voters have consistently said that they want it. If the voters chose to get rid of it, then that's their decision. And as the AG or as the district attorney, I would follow that. What I will say is that when you, like myself, you grow up in these in the trenches and you see these crimes that are less than 2% of the, of the all murder cases. They are so grotesque and despicable. And these are decisions that our juries are making. So 
while I might be the DA and say, well, the mass shooter uh, that killed X number of people should should qualify for the death penalty, it's a decision made by a jury, and it's ultimately imposed by a judge. The, the, of course, uh, uh, the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, recently put a pause on it. Uh, Newsom, uh, even though he said he would uphold it, uh, issued a moratorium on it shortly after he took office. Studies have shown that it, uh, black folks are disproportionately represented on death row. Um, how does that shape your thinking uh, on it? Well, I'm not sure about the study you're relying on, because if you look at California's population, you have, you know, we always have this conversation about disproportionality, which we should, about people that are arrested and charged. That, that's a fact. But we also have to look at the victims, because in our, in our, in our state, victims of violent crime are also disproportionately African-American or Hispanic. So we have to, you know, as a DA or as an attorney general, we have to speak for everyone, not just those that are accused of crimes. And so for me, again, um, Californians have voted for this. And that's, you know, we are a democracy. You know, do I think what Newsom did was right? Uh, well, even though he vowed he wasn't going to do that, he did it anyway. And to me, if we, have, we, if we have a democracy, you know, let the voters make a decision. That's how I am with it. And I'll do what the voters, I don't agree with, I didn't agree with Prop 47. I'm going to enforce the law, though. I may not agree. I may support the death penalty or not support the death penalty. But if it's the law, it's the law. Recently, a federal judge in California overturned the uh, California's decades-old ban on assault weapons, that the ruling that the, the violates the Second Amendment. He said he called it, uh, like a, this, the, the judge wrote, like the Swiss Army knife, the popular AR-15 rifle, is the perfect combination of home defense weapon and homeland, uh, homeland defense equipment, end quote. Now, uh, the, this will very likely be another major issue in the campaign. Uh, the Court of Appeals uh, stayed uh, or overturned stayed the overturn of this. Um, what, do you, what do you think of this ruling? I haven't, you know, to be truthful, Joe, I haven't read the decision, okay. um, the, the details of the decision. Um, but what I would say is, you know, as the AG, I'm going to defend whatever California law is, whether I agree with it or not. You know, that's just, that's the reality of life. I don't, you know, I just... Uh, without getting into the weeds of that particular decision, because I don't want to misstate something that I haven't read, and I know it's a federal court decision. So mm-hmm. that's my position on all of these. Whether I like a law or not, I'm just going to enforce it. And so, same thing with, uh, uh, you know, that we talked about the political nature of the job. Uh, you know, it, it's something like, uh, you know, California has its own vehicle emission standards. The Trump administration revoked it. Uh, Bonta is, you know, pushing back on it, saying it's critical to the fight against climate change. Where were you in something like that? I'm the same place I was on, on the last question. If, yeah. if it's California law um, and our legislature has, has passed something or there's regulations that are lawful regulations, then my responsibility is going to be to enforce that law. That's just that's that's what you can expect from me as the attorney general. There, there's been a lot of talk recently about uh, what what should law enforcement officers be doing, uh, you know, on, on many issues where they're called to uh, to respond to uh, you know not they respond to all sorts of nine one one calls right. uh, many of them uh, nonviolent um, uh, as is uh, there's a there's the crisis act uh, I don't know if you're familiar right. with that where um, that would send uh, community based organizations out in the field with law enforcement uh, so that they didn't they wouldn't have to do that alone um, as California's top cop which is what California uh, called used to call the attorney general's job how would you reimagine how police respond to 911 calls. 
Well, I think there's no question there's a movement to divert some 911 calls that are mental health calls. I think that's a that's a very valuable conversation to have. And I, I think even in my jurisdiction, they're starting to look at those things. I think that's something, listen, nobody wants, everybody wants improved outcomes. Nobody wants somebody to be uh, encountering an officer and have a fatal outcome. Nobody wants that. And, um, but it's a very difficult, let's be honest, it's a very, very difficult profession um, for law enforcement to be in. And to, but I, so I, I am support of, can we divert mental health calls in a safe manner so that whoever's going to the scene, whether it's a social worker, uh, behavioral health pers- person, that they're safe as well. So I think those are definitely things that um, we need to be willing to have a conversation about and support it in the safest manner that we can deploy that, that kind of operation. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what to, you, you were, I want to ask you something about an organization you used to be an, an officer of, uh, the California District Attorney Association, which I believe is supporting you. Uh, now, for our listeners who are not familiar with this, this is sort of a uh, yeah. it's a, professional a, it's a professional group for uh, for prosecutors in, in California. My colleague uh, Megan Cassidy a couple of weeks ago reported that the organization siphoned nearly $3 million that was supposed to be used for public advocacy litigation and used it to fund training and lobbying. And that was according to a recent audit of the group's finances. You're a longtime uh, member of the organization, secretary treasurer, I believe, for a while. What, what's your uh, response to that? Well, first of all, it's funny because that my opponents and some other people, maybe even Megan, I'm not sure if she said it or not, but they want to link me to this, which, I, first of all, the whole thing came out like a year ago. Right. The DA's association found out that we had an employee, um, nobody on the board, that it had to do with asset forfeiture funds, that it was that those funds were, were erroneously being used for other uh, operations. It wasn't like people benefited or profited or went on some fancy ass trip somewhere. Um, but it all came out last summer and, or I think it was last year. I wasn't the treasurer. Actually, Jackie Lacey was the treasurer, the district attorney of Los Angeles, who yes. ironically was taken out by former. Gascon. <laughs> yes. Um, but it was the DA's association that proactively did the audit when we realized the issue. And then we proactively sent the case to the attorney general and said, you know, we're sending this to you at, you know, to let you make a decision on if there, you think there's anything here. The person that, that was the CEO at the time is no longer there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you can use all these words and siphon and make it look like it's criminal. There's no criminal, nothing criminal that, that was found, but it, but we did everything right. It had nothing to do with the board. It had to do with an employee within the organization that the board had no knowledge of. Um, I want to ask when you announced, I believe it was when you announced, you talked a lot about, uh, Gascon, George Gascon, the the district attorney of Los Angeles, uh, former uh, district attorney of San Francisco and um, uh, Chase Boudin, who's the current uh, district attorney of, uh, of San Francisco. Uh, both of these folks are potentially facing recalls. It's, uh, it's, recall, right. it's recall season in California. Um, how does your philosophy differ from theirs? Why, you, you made a point to say that. Talk about, about how your philosophy differs from theirs. Well, let's be honest. Their policies are reckless. I mean, that's what they are. They don't really want to prosecute people. You know, Chase Bodine was a public defender. Okay, George Gascon, neither, neither one has really been a real prosecutor. Gascon starts in San Francisco. And I as mean, if you want to look chief. at the police chief, yeah. Yeah, as a police chief, yeah. Um, then he becomes the DA, never been a prosecutor, never sat in a courtroom, never tried a case, never sat with crime victims in terms of, uh, of a case he's actually handled. So you have this kind of grand social experiment that he started in San Francisco with just constantly weakening, weakening, weakening. Then you have the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, 
who comes out and says, I'm not supporting Gascon to be the LADA. I'm going to support Jackie Lacey. That, that should say a lot about the failed policies of Gascon in San Francisco. Then he, you know, goes on down to Los Angeles County. Now you've got 25 cities, mostly Democrat, many Democratic. I don't know if exactly mostly, but many Democratic cities that have done votes of no confidence. 25 cities have come out and says, we don't believe in you, Gascon, as the DA. You're going to kill our communities. Then you've got, you've got Chessa. Those two are, you know, they, they're basically cut from the same cloth in terms of their views, I guess, and who their supporters are. And then you've got Bonta, who's, again, they're one of their biggest advocates. You've got, you know, Bonta supporting Gascon in his LADA race. They've all got supporting each other. That You know, you look at some of the things that Gascon's doing in Los Angeles that's now being mirrored in, in our legislature. Um, so it, it's pretty concerning, and people should be worried about, you know, this whole thing coming to the entire state of California. And so how would you be different? Oh, gosh. How would I be different? Let's, first of all, I would enforce the law. So in Los Angeles County, the union, the DA's union, I don't think it's ever happened in the history of this country. The prosecutor's union had to sue Gascon to actually do his job to file what we call strikes, because the law mandates it. And the judge says, yeah, you got to do this. So I would actually enforce the law, even if I disagree with it. Um, I would be in the legislature. I would be talking about things like, why don't we call, why don't we make a bill, why don't we pass a bill that says domestic violence is a violent crime or hate crimes is a violent crime? Because Gascon, Boudin, and Bonta have all continuously been, been on this whole thing that that's a nonviolent crime. We really think domestic violence and, and Hate crimes are nonviolent. So there's a lot of different things. There's legislative advocacy. There's if you're not doing your job, if I'm the AG, if you don't send somebody to parole hearings like in L.A. County where a mother, Jessica Corday, has to go by herself and read an autopsy report. So in, in L.A., he's just not sending prosecutors to parole hearings. doesn't matter how dangerous the person is. The only thing you can do is actually advocate for somebody's release. That's not, that's not standing up for crime victims. That's not actually, you know, keeping our community safe. You got a serial killer set up, set for parole. Like, let's say the Golden State Killer was going to be eligible for parole. He's not going to send somebody to say we shouldn't let him out. That's that's not that's not public safety. That's not victims' rights. That's nothing. I mean, you got guys in prison. The guy in our prison in Sacramento from L.A. toasting Gascon and his new directives. That 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 is chaos. I mean, I don't know how you find a better definition. Is that the criminals are celebrating? Um, the the election of of a district attorney and uh, someone like Gascon. I want to get a little personal here uh, because if, uh, if uh, we're going to talk hist history. We're going to talk history because <laughs> oh no, no. yes, history. <laughs> now, uh, Bonta is the first uh, Filipino American uh, attorney general in California's oh, here history. Here we go. I know what you're going to ask. You know what I'm going to ask, and you would be the first LGBTQ. Uh, uh, AG, that's a lot of letters, uh, in the state's history. In fact, I, I, I had to check this. I was like, how many, uh, have there ever been any nationally? And there's only three ever in the U.S., uh, Maura Healy in Massachusetts, Dana Nessel in Michigan, Andrew Buck in New Jersey. What, what's this? I mean, you, you don't, you, this is not something you trumpet a lot, but do you, what is the significance? Trumpet. <laughs> trumpet, yes. What, do you, what is the significance <laughs> of this to you? I'd be proud to be the first gay, openly gay person as the AG in California, obviously. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I've said this before. Listen, I don't wake up every morning and say I'm a gay prosecutor. I, I wake up, I'm a prosecutor and I'm gay. I also happen to have two kids and I love my children. Um, I, I'm part of the fabric of this, of this state and I, I 100% support the diversity of the state. So, um, you know, I'd be proud to, 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 be, to be the first gay AG. 
Mm. I, I, it just is what it is. I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm excited about it, honestly. Now, I've, I, you were not the first Schubert I've written about. Uh, I've, wrote, uh, and I've, known oh, your brother, yeah. I've known your brother for about 15 years, Frank Schubert. He's a longtime Republican political consultant here in California, and he was at the front right. of Proposition 8, which, which banned yeah. same-sex marriage in California. Now, I asked your brother years ago, I was like, Frank, Thanksgiving must be tough at your house uh, with, with your sister. Um, and here's what he told me. He said, I love my sister very deeply, and I love her children. Uh, that doesn't require me to accept that marriages should be redefined because my sister is in a gay relationship with two kids. This is before marriage was legal. I worry about anybody who doesn't have the benefit of a loving, active father in their lives, and those kids won't have that. I pray for them. Um, you didn't speak out against Prop 8. Um, I think you're running for judgeship at the time, correct? That's or right. You, okay. That's correct. So you, but did you vote for it? No. I didn't no. vote for Prop 8. Okay. What? No, I don't. You know, listen, I, I, I'd probably say the same thing, but put a little twist on it. I do love my brother, it, but I don't agree with him on this issue. And obviously what he said in that article was deeply personal to me because I love my children and I think I'm quite capable. Uh, and two, two people, loving parents, no matter what their sex is, can raise very healthy children in this world. And that's what I strive to do every day with my kids. So while I love my brother, um, I completely disagree with him on this issue. And that's, yeah. that's just the way life is always going to be with this. Yeah. How is Thanksgiving at your house? <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's, you know, I've got a good family. We're all very diverse. Uh, so it's like any other probably family at Thanksgiving is that we don't all agree on things, but we can still sit down and have a family meal. Very good to hear. Um, and uh, is Frank helping on the campaign or not or, or at all or not? Uh, not me. No. I don't know if he's doing anything else, but right, he's yeah, not. But not, not does he support me? Yeah, of course he supports me. No, I'll have to give him a call on this to see if he's maybe. <laughs> uh, Emery, thank you so much. Uh, District Attorney, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I appreciate anything it. Else? Yeah, anything else you'd like to add? What, uh, what are you, uh, oh, by the way, you, you're, will you have enough money? Uh, Bonta is going to have, of course, the, uh, a ton of money. He's going to have the support of organized labor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You, you know, you're not going to have the party support. Um, uh, at least at this point, maybe if you make it into the, to the final, you, you may, they'll, they'll back you, but, um, we, do you, are you confident you'll have enough money to run the type of race that you want to? Uh, I'm confident that I will be relentless in raising money. Listen, I've already raised over a million dollars and that's pretty telling from all, like I said before, all sides of the, of the political spectrum. And so, um, you know, I just, uh, I'm very confident that I'm going to raise the money I need to become the next AG of California. DA, thank you so much for being on It's All Political. Okay, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank District Attorney Schubert for appearing on today's podcast. I'd like to thank the King, Webby Award-winning producer, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. And of course, we always like to give a shout out to our fabulous theme music that you're hearing right now. That song is called Cattle Call, and it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, no matter what happens at Thanksgiving dinner, it's all political.